my grandfather loved telling stories of Palestine and I think the older Palestinian generation had only their stories to remind them of a home they left. So that skill came from him and from all the elderly in Burj al-Barajni camp. Uh, the 90s, the early 90s is a time where TV was not that popular and not available in every home and electricity up until today in Lebanon is still not available all the time. So we had plenty of time to discuss things with our grandparents and our parents and storytelling became a natural skill. This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. Kindly consider a contribution through the links in the details box. Any amount is appreciated. I'm Tala Ramadan and this is the written word for the Beirut Banyan. Today I'm beyond happy that I'm interviewing an amazing author whom I really love and respect so much and it's Shakir Khazal. Hi Shakir. Hi Tala. I love your name. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're going to talk a lot about it today. Shakir, you're a Palestinian Canadian reporter, speaker, regular contributor to major newspapers and an award-winning author. You grew up in Burj al-Barajni camp in Beirut and at a very young age you started participating in several uh, local plays. You then migrated to Canada and you studied international development at York University. Then you started working for the HuffPost in 2014 and it's then that you started getting inspired for your, for your novels. Your first novel, Confession of a War Child, part one was published back in March 2013. Now, to, to get to my favorite part, of course, it's the tale of Tala. You released it in 2017. And of course, finally, we're going to talk about uh, your book, Ouch, which, which was uh, kind of uh, a memoir and something that you released after witnessing the blast of, uh, at the Beirut port. And it was released back in October 17, 2020. So I have a lot of questions to ask well, you. First, the <laughs> thank you for this introduction. As I said, I love your name and we have uh, stories about your name. Of and uh, <laughs> I heard one of your episodes with Majid Zahir that I really loved. Uh, so I'm really excited today to uh, to be interviewed Honestly, or to I'm be talking to you. <laughs> Thank you so much for giving me the time to and the honor to do this. I'm so glad we're doing this, especially that, uh, of course, I read the tale of Tala like when, just when it was really released. And I was like all over the place, one, because it has my name on it, <laughs> two, because the story was very nice, because it's about uh, a Palestinian refugee who uh, was living in Lebanon, and then she had to go over the world of human trafficking in Europe. And this tale has a lot of uh, ups and downs, and I want to ask you first about the name. Why did you choose the, the name Tala? And then I want to also ask you, uh, how did you, did you get to the world of writing and when did you realize, all right, I want to be an author, I want to write about everything that's happening, but in a, in a way that attracts people? Well, I'm going to start with your second question about the world of writing. Um, I didn't start professional writing until like I was in my mid-20s 
because I wanted to see the world first. So you see the world, you take the world's stories, you live with the world's stories, and then you have something, you have a story to tell. Now with Tala, which is my fourth book, uh, I was in Jericho in Palestine, and I was in uh, one of the oldest valleys uh, in, on planet Earth, Wadi Al-Kilt. And there's a monastery there, and I had gone there to write my book, to write Tale of Tala from there. And I always choose places to go and write the book from, and it becomes like a personal story with them. And Palestine has a story with me from birth. Uh, so I was there, and I was looking for a name of, for my character. And um, there's a big hill. And I was going up and down the hill, up and down, up and down. At some point, I was like, should I go up the Tala? Then the word Tala came from the word Tala, right. <laughs> where I wanted to call the character Tala if initially. But Da is a difficult letter in Arabic, and it for a lot of Westerners, it won't resonate. So then I ended up saying, if it's not without Da, Tala, and I love the name Tala. So I chose the name Tala <laughs> on a Tala. <laughs> and I fell in love with the name. I was telling you before this interview, one day, if I have a daughter, she'll be named probably Tala. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm so happy. We'll have another tale of Tala, but I think it's going to be a different twist. So that's amazing. A happier <laughs> twist, I hope. Inshallah. <laughs> yes. um, all right. So since we spoke, ab- we kind of spoke about uh, tale of Tala. I really want to also talk about your book, Ouch, which comes from the Beirut port, uh, the blast, the pain, and all these memories that come with it. Can you tell me more about how you got inspired to write this and how did you kind of pick yourself up really quick to have this book uh, released like a few months afterwards? Well, I was in Beirut August 4th, 2020, when the explosion happened. And I was one selfish person um, at a moment when I was at the Smallville Hotel at the rooftop when the explosion went off. We didn't know what it was. The first thing I did is running down the staircase from the 16th floor to the lobby is I went to my room to pick up my Canadian passport and the money I have in my safe uh, because I could be leaving. But while going down, I figured out uh, the peak of my selfishness in this and the peak of injustice as well in the world. That just because life gave me a chance at some point and I became a Canadian citizen that I can escape at any time I want an act of terror or an act of war. We got to the ground floor and we realized what's going on and I ended up going to the hospital to take a friend's father there and looking at people. I was thinking deeply of how unjust and how selfish as well one can be. I I was harsh on myself and as a result of this harshness, um, I wanted to write for a bit. And this is where the, you know, I didn't know what I'm writing about, so I figured why not write my own story, but with a twist. And you will have to read the book to know what this twist is. There's a character in the book that I brought um, clearly as a main character, which is the character of Adam, who's a waiter at the Smallville Hotel, who's a Palestinian, but never got the chance to immigrate or never got the chance in life. Adam is a reflection of who I am, and it's a person I met here at the hotel And through Adam, I draw on these injustices. We're both Palestinians who were born in the same camp. One got a chance to immigrate and start their life, and one had to stay in prison. Based on that uh, uh, parallelism between Adam and I and contrast at the same time, the story of Ouch just started coming out of me. I was invited to the New York Times Democracy Athens Forum in um, 
Athens Democracy Forum in Athens. And I, while writing, I said I want to share that story during that forum. So I didn't have much time. I only had a month and a half to write a book and edit it and get it out. The story came seamlessly from me. In 17 days, I was done writing. I was just getting it out from childhood stories to people I met, to incidents, to life lessons I've had, to my relationship with Adam and how that contrast will erupt at some point in the craziest way possible for a reader to expect. And then I had a great team, uh, Alan Carter from Canada, Stella Andonoff, uh, my editors, uh, and uh, Omar, uh, my manager and we all came together as teamwork and started working really hard to finish the book and have it on time and other people joined that project my publisher Ashat were super like excited for the so they gave me the tools and they were cooperating to finish a book in a month and a half um, and yeah and the whole team was assembled Noor, Diana um, everyone came together and we finished it on time it became sort of a healing process, not only for me, but for everyone involved in this project. And even when you're in Canada, people were going through the COVID lockdown. And here's Shakir bringing them a new project to work on and to discuss and to, um, and, you know, to, uh, to achieve. Uh, so, yeah, it all came together naturally. also know that you're translating your book now to Arabic and I know that you've done this to Tale of Tala as well, Hikayat uh, Tala. So I just wanted to know that when you go through the translation part, do you go over twisting a bit of the story just to fit, you know, uh, the Arabic terminologies maybe or, you know, and where it's going to be sold and all of these details. So what happens when you want to, uh, to alter it to another uh, language? Well, first, I have to trust my uh, translator. So I, uh, I read a lot of samples from translators before me and the publisher, of course, deciding who's going to translate this book. With uh, Tale of Tala, uh, Nadine Nasrallah, when she sent her sample, I fell in love. She is telling the story of Tala as natural and organic as I want it to be. With uh, Rana Saifina, with uh, Ouch, um, the moment I read the first paragraph she translated, I was like, this is the person. So it does have to do with the trust relationship that we as authors build with the translator, especially when we know the language. If we don't know the language, it has to be trust on another level or someone from the publishing house <laughs> has to do the, you know, the trust. And I trust my publisher. So the first step after this trust would be establishing a timeline as well with the story. So a book is like a guest that goes into bookstores in each country. And when you are a guest in a country, you have to respect the traditions, the laws. Uh, you have to respect a lot. And sometimes we as writers need to compromise on some details or something to fit culturally, legally, administratively the country that the book will be read at. I like not to compromise on the expense of my story, but I am always open for communication with my team. I believe a book is purely the product of a team, a qualified team, each in their area, uh, whether it's the lawyer, whether it's the content uh, people, whether it's the marketing people, I believe it's all a collective project. And I like working in a team. And every book of mine is teamwork on top of the creative writing at, that takes place at the first stages. 
I also want to imagine how you're writing a specific story. So let's say again, I'm not. I don't mean to push on ta- tale of Tala's agenda, you can but push you know, on Tala as much as you know, I miss tale of Tala. Oh, okay. I miss my books as I miss my baby. Can you do like part two? Because it really, ha- it can still, yani, manage to you know have the depth of part two. So I don't know if you're willing to do it. <laughs> I don't know yet. It's a question that, of course, every writer now I'm shopping, I say I'm shopping for a story. And sometimes <laughs> they come and say, why don't you revive, you know, Tale of Tala or Confessions? Well, Confessions of a Word Child, I did three parts. So um, it's not an easy job to do that because when you leave, when you finish a book and you leave the character and you move on, you know, to another book to go back and give fairness to the characters and the set and the plot and the story is not something a switch that you turn on and off right now as of today that we're doing the interview I feel Tala is in a great place where I left Tala and Ouch is in a good place and I can actually write a new story the message I wanted to convey with Tala I believe came across uh, human trafficking and then vis-a-vis also the importance and the power of love Do I have more to say about these topics? Not today. Maybe a world event will spark that, you know, that inspiration, because inspiration is sparked somewhere. To write that plot, I would need to be inspired again from that, you know, from the world of Tala. Right now, I'm not in the world of Tala. The world of Tala has a lot of political, cultural, and romantic side. And I just wanted to see how did you come about it to put all these factors together and you know just deliver it for people to understand like the life of a refugee and then there's this per- the human trafficking issue and all of these aspects like and when someone is reading this book literally it's intense and that's kind of intense of course so how did you just get inspired to write the story with all of these elements combined very easy algorithm for a writer um, you just have to make yourself part of the subject's world with Tala or Confessions of a War Child, now without it's my memoir, so it's a different thing because I am part of the story. But the moment you allow you, the moment you feel inspired to write a specific story, the moment you get into that world of the story, the moment you become part of that story, then you're there. You you just see things as if you live with everyone in there. There are a lot of uh, intense uh, chapters. And I just wanted to know which one was like the hardest part of it. The ending, the ending of Tale of Tala was the toughest and hardest because I didn't know to what direction I'm going to take Tala. I didn't know. And the direction I chose changed so many times. I remember five days before the book would go to print, I changed the ending. So the ending was supposed to be something completely different. And I said, no, like Tala and I were part of the same world and we have to imagine this world (laughs) in a certain way. And I decided to end it the way it is because that was my, you know, my deepest belief and attachment to the subject. Did you feel something different when you wrote this book uh, in comparison to the first book you wrote? Absolutely. Every book you write is, is a book that has your previous book flair plus all the lessons you learned. Like from Confessions of a War Child Part 1, I learned so much. I learned that... I can't confuse my reader, so I need to slow down on the amount of characters, on the amount of events. I need to simplify certain things. I need to give certain things its complexity. So all these rules are made by the lessons you learn throughout the journey of writing a book. And the more books you write, the more lessons you become more mature. Like 
as a writer, I'm a human being who steps into the world of these characters. So every year I grow a year. So, yeah. I also wanted to ask you about the feeling you got when you first published your first book. How amazing is it to feel like, oh, wow, although maybe the story was a sad story to a certain extent, but like seeing this coming to, you know, to life is, I think, beyond words. So can you tell me more about this moment when you just saw your first printed book? I call it motherhood. Even I'm a man, it is motherhood. <laughs> it so is nice. that attachment of a mother with her children when they're born, especially, and the more they she has to nourish them and see them grow um, and I say the mother not the father because the mother actually f f physically carries the baby for nine months which is equivalent to the writing of a book um, the first one came after a lot of difficulties because I was rejected by every single publisher that I submitted the book to and that was that was shocking me at each time I got a rejection, but it was also motivating me to seek help and ask for professional assistance, which I did. And a lot of people came together in Toronto and they made this book happen. Um, and that process, that process of seeing it finally after a struggle, anything after a struggle is, any achievement after a struggle is greatly appreciated and loved and, uh, you know, and we carry it differently now. This feeling still happens with each book, with each part of the Confessions trilogy, with uh, Tale of Tala, with Ouch, with my next book. Uh, it's like the mother is holding her child for the first time. When you write the book, do you feel like it gives you energy or, or it exhausts you? So basically, when you're writing a book, do you feel like this is your vacation or that you're escaping in a way? Or do you need a vacation after writing your book? Well, you definitely need a vacation after writing uh, a book. but. It depends on what you're writing and what part of the writing you're I in. And after an article. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, need, I usually take long, uh, some time off after each book for that. While the editors are working, I do take time off because you need to go back to your life. As I said, you step into the world of, a of your characters and at some point you need to leave it. Now, it depends. With Confessions of a War Child, it was giving me energy all the time. I loved where the character Nader, the main character, is going from part one to two to three in the book, and that was very energizing. With Tale of Tala, it was up and down. At certain points, I was getting this amazing energy when, for example, when I'm talking about when Tala gets a chance or an opportunity, and at the same time, I'm writing about injustices, and I'm writing about a dark world of a human trafficking, which drains you when you're looking at it as a spectator and seeing what's happening in the world we live in. So it depends what you're writing and it depends on the characters you're writing as well. You know, I always say writing is like praying. It's like when we pray, we connect with God. When we write, we're connecting with characters and with ourselves and with our, the settings and so on. There needs to be a connection. If for any reason, and I'll talk personally about my experience with writing, if I feel detached from any character, or any event, I can't write that day. And it's okay not to write that day. There's no one that should make force you to pray. There's no one who should force you to write. So based on that, I do believe that establishing a connection with your characters, I take so much time to get to learn about my characters. I know what time every character wakes up, even if they're fictional, but I have to put that detail in there. I, um, I take my time in knowing what they like, who they like, uh, who they don't like, uh, what's their emotional status at that point? Are they angry? Are they happy? 
once I get to understand this character, then the rest is actually an easy thing. Just like praying, you understand God, you know why you want to refer to God. Then you, you and God become having this connection that's be beautiful in praying or in whatever form, whatever God you pray for or whatever form of religion you follow or, uh, or ideology you follow that brings you peace. That's the same as writing. I really want to know where do you sit and where do you get inspired when you write? <laughs> Tell us your secret, like because we, we always need some, some sort of setting that you know inspires us. Although it's something that's more like you know in, in our own minds and we can create and do all of these things, but we need a certain setting that inspires us. Each book had its own setting for me. So Confessions of a War Child One, I wrote it from Toronto. Part two from New York, part three from New York, Tale of Tala from Jericho, Palestine, and from Europe, and other places uh, towards the end, ouch, in Lebanon. But the common factor between all these is silence. I need to be with myself. I can't sit and write in a cafe. I have to be on my own. I have to create my own world, uh, my favorite drink, my favorite, uh, you know, things to be around me, just to ground me a bit, and then, and then I step into the world of my characters and then I am fully and completely there. Okay, one last question. You can ask I... <laughs> too. <How's that? laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Only because I'm a taller, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, okay, I know it from myself that I love reading books because I started reading a book and I loved it back in like, well, years ago. And it was called uh, The Woman He Loved Before. So it's from that book that I really wanted to read a lot of other books so what was your like starting point let's say in reading for you to because no one can like actually write if they're if we didn't have this background of reading so who's your favorite author in that means and and what's like a book that you know has a mark uh, that stays with you I have a favorite writer and I have a favorite author and I'll let you know what the difference between them a favorite <laughs> writer a person who I love not only his books, but his books and his life and his story and his, and his existence in our life is Edward Said. And my favorite book by him is Out of Place because I do like the biographical element of books. I, like, I love biographies. Are you the same person? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Tyler, you're the <laughs> You are, maybe, finally. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Edward Said and Out of Place would be my favorite writer and my favorite book by this writer. And my favorite author is Paulo Coelho. Paulo Coelho, I love uh, the way he puts together his plots. He, he develops his characters. I love his descriptive uh, technique in actually finalizing his plot. And my favorite book by him is The Alchemist because I do relate to the main character in there. Throughout all my books, I've decided or I've discovered that I do like telling the stories of uh, real people and then bring the fictional characters into the plot. So I'm trying to stay into this style. I do like topics that are more on the taboo aspect and more on the unspoken aspects because I believe as a writer I have the responsibility to tell these stories. 
so wish me good luck for tonight that I connect with one of these stories. And uh, through your podcast and through everyone I know, I always say if you have an interesting story, you know where to find me these days. It's so easy oh, to yes. <laughs> connect with someone like you did on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I think to him. Hey, so, do you remember me? <laughs> so yeah, so I'm always, I have big ears physically and like <laughs> as a writer. So I always love hearing stories. And the moment I connect with a story, I will have the moral responsibility to write it. Good luck. And I hope that I'll be interviewing you after that. Thank you. (laughs) And thanks a lot for your time. Thank you, Tala. podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. Kindly consider a contribution through the links in the details box. Any amount is appreciated. I'm Tala Ramadan and this is the written word for the Beirut Banyan.